Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Rico. And I'm Lauren Goodson, your Technology Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all, like... When is Kara Swisher going to join me surfing? Never. So we can test wearables together on the water. Really? You're going to say Apple Watch, aren't you? But you've been being mean to them, aren't you? It, I'm not being mean. I'm being truthful. Truthful, I know. Find us on Twitter or tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address. It's too embarrassed at Recode.net. But a friendly reminder, Kara prefers Snapchat. So send her snaps <laughs> and tips in the middle of the night, preferably. It's when she's her kind is most active in the I middle of the night. It. She's actually nectar. She's a sparkly vampire. You can tweet it. Yeah, I like Twitter. I like the Twitter. Me and Donald like the Twitter. Anyway, so Lauren, what's been going on? It's been a crazy few weeks. Yeah, because I know. it's we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's fall mm-hmm. hardware season, which yeah. means a lot of reviews. In recent weeks, The Verge has reviewed the Samsung Galaxy Note 8, the Essential Phone, the iPhone 8, the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, and a lot more. Yeah, did you do the iPhone 10 yet? Uh, no, that Thanks. is not available yet to reviewers. To not review. available yet to yeah, consumers. I've seen a lot of these on your desk. I was going to swipe a couple off your desk. So you've been doing the Apple reviews, and you had one particular thing. Yeah, so I've been using the new Apple Watch Series 3, which one of the big new features of it is that it has LTE connectivity. It means you can walk away from your phone, or your phone is simply off or not charged, and you would still have an LTE modem on your wrist. But I did discover a bug in the way the watch handles the sort of handoff that's supposed to happen between Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and LTE. Basically, the watch is trying to... I don't know, find Wi-Fi networks, and so it's not defaulting to LTE. But the company does say that they're aware of the problem. They acknowledged this bug, and they claim they're fixing it. They're working on a fix for it. At the time of this taping, it's September 21st. It's Thursday, the day after we published our review. So you might be listening to this podcast a little bit later, and by then, we don't know if the software update is going to be issued, but it it might be. So we're just going to have to keep testing and check back. I needed to anticipate a lot of stuff. Lots of things. That's a yeah, difficult absolutely. technological problem. There, I also had problems with Siri. I had to mm-hmm. get a review unit replaced, and uh, I suffered from poor battery life. When wow. So you're doing a lot of it. tough stuff. So reviews are very important, and that brings us to they today. They really are. I can very think of important. no better time to interview Marta Teato. She's the CEO of Consumer Reports, the consumer reviews publication that has been around since 1936. Although Marta just became CEO in July of 2014, she has not been CEO since 1936, although that would be a feat. Yeah, that would be a Martha, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, Lauren. All right, so we talk a lot about how Consumer Reports is adapting to the digital age. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about blogs, Amazon reviews, product testing powerhouses like the wire cutter. So much has gone on. Consumer Reports used to sort of be the de facto place you went to if you wanted to buy a refrigerator or a car or, or whatever. That's where you checked, and it was a, it was not an online publication for a long time. I recall when it wasn't. And But it was that, and it was a, sort of the one place where you could get sort of the serious review that wasn't either fanboy or just totally snarky. So talk a little bit about the Consumer Reports history and, and how it's supported, because it's a, it's a nonprofit. So talk about that. Talk about how it's set up right now. Absolutely. So you're right. 1936. 36. Amazing. Why? It, it Why was 36? 1936. What's amazing about that is it, it was a direct response to the rise of the ad age, mm. that a lot of false advertising, a lot of slick Madison Avenue, the whole industry was coming up at that time. And it was a real reaction to people are, need to be told the truth and they need to be given straight talk. Mm-hmm. And so how do you do that? You start thinking about 
having your own point of view and having an independent testing, having something that is uh, completely ad-free and a real response to that. So, who was mad? Who was mad? At who was needed response? Like it was one person, or? Well, you know, it was a it, it was a bunch of folks. It was two engineers who um, started this organization, and they came up with this idea of a magazine, mm-hmm. and they started getting subscriptions, mm-hmm. and they start it started growing. And the magazine was a remarkable success. It was the only place you could go to for absolutely independent reviews. And that became an incredible social enterprise. I mean, if you think about it, it's probably one of the most iconic, most successful social enterprises in the US. And what I mean by that is it's completely nonprofit, ad-free, all of the profits get poured back into consumer reports and that gets used to fuel the mission. And so it was very it was independent and it remains independent. We right. don't so, have to rely on it. So but it's so it's been around long pay, as a nonprofit doing that the magazine yeah. is. But one of the things that's happened is everything's changed. You're right. Everything has changed. And the thing I think that everybody knows about us is that we have the we had this magazine and I would want to say in, the, in 1996, we were one of the paywall pioneers. Mm-hmm. That was when we went online and we pioneered the paywall, so it was, it was really pretty remarkable. Um, but yes, people know that we're about product reviews. What they don't understand about Consumer Reports is that while we do the product reviews, the product reviews was a tool. It was a tool to create change in the marketplace. How do you bend the market to reflect consumer needs? and consumer desires and, and, and ambitions. And problems. With and problems. problems. How do you mm-hmm. solve problems? Consumers go into the marketplace every day to solve problems, whether it's to get a loan, a car, um, a blender, you name it. So how do, you, how do you aggregate consumer interest and bend the marketplace? So a lot of what people don't know is that we have an advocacy function, and we are able to motivate and inspire consumers to come together and we also watch the watchdogs so we have an office in washington and what do we do there we have incredible relationships with regulators with congress with agencies because we want to stay on top of it Mm -hmm. we want to know what rules and regulations aren't either getting enforced or needed Mm -hmm. and that's a lever for consumers and it's it's the the idea that you know one voice can matter but if you aggregate that voice it's remarkable so fast forward this was consumer reports in 1936 50s 60s and now we have the ability to yes continue to do the reviews but to create a platform that really elevates that voice and sees change talk a little bit about your testing facilities and the testing processes that your company uses and how you prioritize products now. One of the things that we've talked a lot about in our coverage is that it feels like every product's a tech product in some way now. We review cars from the perspective that they are tech products. Refrigerators are connected. Mm. Talk about the testing that goes on and and how your editorial team prioritizes these things. Absolutely. So you're right. So if you think about it, we were the original hackers. We were breaking into hardware. This is like cars and blenders. They were not, it was not a connected world. Um, As I said earlier, we have a testing facility where we test upwards of 3,000 products a year. 
We've got the auto test center in Connecticut where we have at any given time 60 vehicles that we're testing. And no, I'm sorry to interrupt, are these on loan or do you purchase them? We purchase everything. As a matter okay. of fact, we have this, the, the notorious um, secret shoppers. We've got about 150 secret shoppers nationwide. We go through the same experience consumers do. We don't get any loaners. We don't get anything off the shelf. We go out and we want to be able to get that product random off the shelf. Mm -hmm. So that's part of our trusting methodology as well. Um, so we've got about 100 testers. And you're absolutely right. How do you think of testing of the future? When you've created a, a business, a social enterprise, it's really about hardware. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we're going. We, we now have connected cars. Uh, if, you, if you read up on the tech stuff, which you guys always do such a great job of, of doing, you know, you're, you're talking about all this ambient technology that is constantly telling you, giving you information, you're giving it information, connected products at home, smart homes. So how do you take a workforce and shift that workforce from thinking just about the hardware to thinking about the software? And that's where the digital standard comes in. Because all of the progress that we made in the last 81 years really had to do with the hardware world. Mm -hmm. If you think about all the things um, that we were able to create was seat belts. Amazing, right? That was a product. The, B, the, um, uh, the, the BPS in, in plastic water bottles, um, baby monitors, you name it. So you have to now think about all the software flowing through those products, but there are no standards for evaluating them. So we've created something called the digitalstandard.org, and you could read up on it there. It is a way to begin to evaluate products on privacy. So to, when you think about evaluating prizes, there's lots of people have been doing that. Like mm -hmm. we talked about the wire cutter, we talked about Amazon reviews. There's yeah, everybody's reviewing everything all the time. What does that do to your role? Because Consumer Reports was the trusted place, and obviously that's for rigorous testing. But you can get a lot of information just from Twitter. Like you can like, oh, that's a crappy this. I was just literally first place I was going to go was Twitter to find out what's wrong with the iOS update, what happens to different things, and so. I rely a lot more on people, I guess, mm -hmm. now than anything else. So it's a couple things. What's different about the digital standard that we're applying is that um, we've it's an open source platform. Uh, a lot of folks are contributing it to it. The way I think ours is unique is that we're going to take that digital standard and we're going and we're already piloting. We're testing televisions. We're going to be doing uh, fitness trackers. We're going to be doing baby monitors. A whole series of products that um, we've created a standard for and we're going to go out and publish the best and the worst you know we need how yeah, do you evaluate a product the speed, against the speed of having that done because people do want instant criticism do. you know mm -hmm. right away like i want to know what's the problem or or, or i just the way i behave mm -hmm. i used to look at consumer reports but now or auto reviews and then i just go online and find it in social media mm -hmm. in seconds and i get pretty good or in the case of something like the wire cutter, which some yeah. people are into, some people different. don't have the attention span for it. But Look, the thing that's different about them. us is mm -hmm. we're ad-free. Right. Mm -hmm. So in a world of native ads, of bots, one of the things that people, we, we hear from them all the time is how do you navigate that world? Mm -hmm. Sure, there's so many places. There's a, there's a cacophony of voices online and offline talking to you about products. Mm -hmm. But are they independent? Are they ad-based? 
How do you know it's not a native ad? How do you know it's a trusted source? What we keep hearing from folks is we need a trusted source. We're confused about what's in the marketplace. I do want to know what my friends think. And so you do, and you can find user reviews on our site. But I want to compare what my friends think to what some experts think as well. Right. Sort of like Rotten Tomatoes where you get both. Yeah, they need both. They want to surround. And you've got to give them the tools um, to be a part of that. What do you have to do to make it easier? I was thinking of Rotten Tomatoes, which has been very successful. It's just a really interesting story in the New York Times because they combine user reviews with professional reviews with their tomato meter. You guys had that. You You had different systems what was it what was what is yours it's not thumbs up it's just different numbers and stuff because people do it's a best buy right it's a best buy yeah you you get to you and and you can get dinged you you have a best buy and you have a don't buy Mm -hmm. um when we go out with a don't buy it's it's really you know when we said don't buy on those um very attractive little laundry tablets Mm -hmm. that we we saw from really looking at the data on the poison control center kids Mm -hmm. were eating them and older people with dementia were eating them as well. So we had a conversation with the makers of the laundry pods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it has a huge impact when you, when you ding someone with a don't buy or best buy. Right, but you, in terms of how to adapt to this, to, to what people want, people, like, when you have something successful like the tomato meter, and I know Hollywood complains about it, and I suspect you get complaints from all kinds of manufacturers, what do you have to do now in this digital age to attract people to pay attention to it? To, to give, is there a different style of review happening? Do you feel? There are, there are a couple things. What we know is that people keep coming back because they want a trusted source. Right. And what we also do, I think folks see us as, yes, those reviews, but they're also coming to us for journalism. And they're coming for us for uh, service journalism and data journalism. So what do I mean by that? Uh, Something that just happened yesterday here in California was the Department of Insurance uh, looked at some work that we'd done in partnership with ProPublica. Mm -hmm. We looked at huge data stores of car insurance pricing. Mm -hmm. And what did we learn? We learned that they were discriminatory. They were not based. We did two things. We saw that they were not based on driving record. They were based on a composite credit rating, so it had discriminatory impact. And then what uh, we did a second beat on that. We took a deeper dive on the data, um, and what we learned was that the pricing was discriminatory depending on what neighborhood you lived right. in and what zip code you were in. So just yesterday, the Department of California Insurance ruled that they had to, they had to take a relook mm-hmm. on that. And so that's huge progress. And so that's a way of, yes, the ratings and reviews, but doing a deep dive, learning how to look at data and see patterns uh, and understand the algorithms so you understand where consumers are being hurt, where are the pain points. And so you can find that at consumerreports.com? Absolutely. And ProPublica as well? And ProPublica as well. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about subscriber numbers and how you're reaching new or different audiences. Uh, It was reported by The Atlantic in a story, a big story about Consumer Reports last year, that the publication hit its peak of subscribers in, I think, 2008. How many subscribers do you have now? Well, we have 7 million online subscribers, which is pretty remarkable. If you think about it, it's more than the Wall Street Journal or the New York this Times. This is subscription paid. Paid, uh, paid subscription. subscription, yes. And our traffic is growing, um, which is a really terrific sign. And um, so we're, we're, we're very bullish on the subscription. And 
Um, as I said, it's it's seven million, sort of an even split. We also have the magazine. Uh, it's a very different audience. It's an older audience, the online audience. What's really been encouraging in the last three years is we're seeing more women come to the to the site, um, and they're interested in the in the reviews, but also the journalism and also the activation. How do you become a part of something? How do you become a part of a um, you know, I would even say a movement of consumers that care. And I, on the Equifax thing, let's just talk about that for a minute. Sure. The Equifax, uh, amazing. Um, we, we turned around in record time and asked the folks, um, our, our subscribers, we need, you need to say something. You need to do something. And it was remarkable. In 24 hours, we had about 150,000 people respond. Uh, and communicate with Congress about it. And that was something we turned around very quickly, but it is also, and there are some people that don't come to us for reviews, they come to us for that. Mm -hmm. They want to be part of that. They want to be part of that change. And I, I think that that the journalism, the reviews, and also the activation is really unique. Mm -hmm. So how many you, magazine subscriptions? You have 7 million online, and how many? We do. It's a, even split 7 million. It's the magazine and online. And online. So yeah. you pay for one subscription, and you get access to both? They're, they're separate. They're separate. You pay for one, okay. you pay for the other. And in terms of um, how your paywall works, talk a little bit about, just quickly, how how much free content is it accessible to people? There's an enormous amount of free content. All of our journalism and our health our health pieces, we feel strongly. We have done some ratings of hospitals. The shocking thing about hospitals is that you do not have to make your infection rates public. So you're going to the hospital for surgery, you think you're gonna be fine, and you come out with a staph infection. Yeah. Um, so that we make public as well. Um, during the hurricane, um, number of hurricanes we just had, a lot of the stuff we put in front of the paywall around scam artists, a lot of scamming post-hurricane. It's, it's, it's shocking and um, folks need to know about it. And so we made sure that was in front of the paywall. All of our ratings are behind the paywall. Um, and on occasion when something is really, um, we wanna report on it, we do it. We, now, that said, we're always exploring. We're always exploring with the porousness of the paywall. Mm -hmm. I think all of us are. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just something we have to do constantly. So we're always tweaking that dial. Yep, absolutely. And what's popular among the products? What is the biggest products and then, where do you think it's going? Where do you imagine it's going? Like VR? Or yeah. What? Or like, or not just about which what's popular among the products, but do you find different audiences are more interested in the advocacy offerings than they are product well, reviews? I mean, you know, it's really interesting. Um, again, it's about pain points. So one of the stories that just went gangbusters was supplements. A lot of folks, a lot of us are taking supplements mm -hmm. for a whole host of reasons that are perfectly valid. But there isn't a whole lot of trusted information about what they're doing to you mm -hmm. or what supplements you should avoid. That was an extremely popular story, and folks just felt the information we were, were giving them was very trusted. And as, as, a, as I said, it's incredibly rigorous journalism, and, and that was a really popular story. When you look at the products, you look at some really big purchases that families make. And you know, you look a mattress, for example. People are really confused out there. Mm -hmm. Especially now with online mattress offering. So many price points. It's like, and if you know, if you look at the consumer uh, research, people look at the price and they think value, better product, not the case. So, 
an enormous amount of traffic comes in um, because people really care that's a pain point for them. Mm -hmm. What about digital objects, the, like the Amazon Echoes or the... Absolutely, absolutely. We see that all the time. And what we try to do is we try to be there um, when those products make a splash, and then we, and we do the deep dive as well. So to your point, how do you pivot fast and give people kind of an early heads up on mm -hmm. what's that product doing? So right now, we're doing a deep dive on the new phones. And so we'll, we'll stay on but that. But not immediately. You did, you did something immediately? You, 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 I would assume, it's assume constant. you want to be it's constant. in Yonkers. We, it, it's constant. We're, we're, it. we're updating constantly. The day it comes out, we'll have something to say. Then we'll keep testing it and keep testing it and keep working on it. And so, the, you know, being online, it just allows you to get up there and update things right. in real time. How long do you spend with something? Like it, it often depends on... But it's fast. Well, the, here's the thing. I, I'm getting the sense that Consumer Reports doesn't necessarily adhere to embargoes. It sounds like you, your team probably takes longer to do something, you know, review it until it's ready. Perhaps you do adhere to embargoes, I'm, I'm not sure, but we are often um, given loaner products. Mm -hmm. We don't take loaner products. And mm -hmm. you don't take loaner products. So in some cases we buy them outright. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and I bought the Amazon Echo Look on eBay because I really wanted to test it and they weren't giving out loaners. Mm -hmm. uh, but in other cases we do accept loaners and oftentimes the downside of that is that a company who has given us a loaner product will say, okay, the embargo date lifts a week from today or um, six days from today. And then uh, because all of the other publications are publishing their reviews at that time, there right. is a tremendous amount of pressure to publish at that time. Right. So right. that's what you, you know, that's what you do. And now in the, in the days of video production, I mean, the video, video production is great, but it's also can be a downside. Video, capturing things on video is great because you are capturing the way the product works on video. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredible visual for the audience. But the downside is that producing a coherent and smart video in a short time period, it, it's a, it takes a lot of time to process and render and produce. Yeah, and what's also we do a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, is video increasingly important? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're on YouTube, we're on channels, and it's very popular. Mm -hmm. Who do you consider your biggest competitor? You know, we're such a different animal. And I, th I think, again, what people know about us is the ratings and the reviews. Mm -hmm. And we're, as I said, we're ad-free, we're independent, we buy all the products. We, you know, our uniqueness is about that trust. It's about the journalism that underlies that. It's about just an enormous breadth. Yeah, but you got to be thinking of something, Marta. Come on. Who do you think of? Who do you, who's taking your steam out? They're all ad-based. Yeah. So Everybody's ad-based. Yeah. So, you know, the unique value is... We're that social enterprise, mm -hmm. right? We are out there, and the traffic is up. So people are people. People understand that trust. And if you think about the environment that they're in today, content shock, native ads, bots, they are hungry for a guide and a partner they can trust, and we offer them that. I don't know that anybody else can do that um, in that way. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kinds of folks that we get. Um, and the tra as I said, the traffic is going up. They're appreciating some of the new skills that we're developing as good data journalists. There is this whole era of big data and algorithms and understanding things they can't see. The market is, so, is not transparent. The complexity of it. So who's gonna be your most trusted guide? If you're transparent, you're open, you include them, in part of the process. One of the things people think we do is we have the test track and we do, we are also the biggest survey research function next to the Census Bureau. 
Meaning? Millions of people are surveyed in focus group by Consumer Reports. Mm -hmm. We know where the pain points are. We know where the reliability of a product is. A lot of times reviews, person gets the review, they throw their, their user review up there, they've just had it, they're frustrated with the products three days in, four days in. What happens over time? What's the reliability? So we do a lot of reliability That scores. is one of the negatives about mm-hmm. reviews is they come out and then you don't know more about it. It's hard. Yeah, to, it's also hard to find particular problems. Like that's, I've always waited for a, a site so, that just, that literally just is Here's the top 50 problems people have. Like yeah, absolutely. Like so well, here's one the of thing. the things, too, that Walt Mossberg, our former colleague and your mm-hmm. co-founder of Recode, um, who, of course, pioneered tech reviews in the early 1990s. Yeah, that weren't all kiss Right, but once he got to a point, you know, sort of post-Recode, um, when we were all looking to review things at The Verge, he would sometimes take a product and say, well, now I'm going to live with it for a month, or I'm going to live with it for two weeks, and then I'm going to write a follow-up review mm-hmm. yep. because he wanted to take his time with it and not rush things out under embargo. Right, right. But so. here's the thing. I want to throw something out to get your reaction to it. You talk about speed, how to turn things mm-hmm. around. We have to see patterns. We have to see trends in the reliability of something. I think when you, when you think about testing and reviewing and digging something in real time, but what about upstream impact. What about the ability to look at big data stores and predict and see patterns in reliability and really have an impact on the product design before it rolls off the assembly line? That's that's something we are really digging into. But you don't want to be close to manufacturers. You don't want to give them your data, right? Well, if they save lives, okay. I think case, you have to right. You, you, you don't do. want to be in bed mm-hmm. with them. You like, don't want to be in bed with them, mm-hmm. but if you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to share data that shows patterns that are safety there, that there's safety issues in the product, in the car, in the software, privacy in the software, privacy, yeah. that is going to create a better marketplace and a marketplace that reflects user need, user needs and consumer needs. I think we have to start thinking about that. I think are you I think currently doing that? Are you is Consumer Reports currently working with a car maker before a car's launch? Is that is that happening now? We are, as I said, looking at data patterns in data and sharing that. And I think, yes, we want to be able to look at that data and be able to save lives before that faulty vehicle rolls off. We, if, if there is a gear shift that is causing confusion to a driver and that data is not shared across brands and across models, then other car manufacturers are going to look at that. And why is that the case? We're looking at used cars and reliabilities over time. Car manufacturers move on to the next thing. And so coming back and saying, look, we've got this data and we're seeing this problem with the gear shift, you need to address it. All right, to finish up, uh, the future of EVUs. How, what's the future, very briefly? I think people are insatiable. They want to understand their world. But as I said, it's getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. The world is really complex. You know, it, it, sometimes it's not tangible. Mm-hmm. It's that software that's coursing through the veins of your product and communicating and leaking information and you're not aware of it. So I think more and more it's going to be reviews and. It's got to be how do you empower consumers? How do you educate them? I I was thrilled when you took up the issue of privacy in in a couple of shows prior Mm -hmm. to this. And we love to be irritating, largely. (laughs) Well, but what you repeated over and over in that show was consumers. Where are the consumers? Where's the consumer voice? 
Yeah. And and that's what we're about. Well, most of we said we're I turn off my Google Home, I turn off my Amazon Alexa, I cover things up. We all like that's what I said. Mm-hmm. I sound like a crazy paranoid person, but I don't want any of them. In fact, yesterday someone was in my home installing Eros, you know, I actually got the Eros. They're oh, you excellent. Did. They're fantastic. We had Nick Weaver on the show in earlier yeah, episode. Exactly. Go take and, a listen. And that's one of the reasons was to protect privacy and security and things like that because I think they I really do like them. I think they have a commitment to that. And one of the, th- I was talking to the technician who came from Enjoy, who we've had Ron Johnson mm-hmm. on, and I said, and he goes, why is everything off in your home? And I said, I don't trust any of them, except for maybe Apple, because they don't want to buy and sell my information. And I don't really trust any of them. But if I had to pick one that I would trust, I'd probably use an Apple product. You don't trust Facebook? I don't trust any of them. Oh, no. I, I don't. I don't trust one of them. I don't trust the one. Anyone that has an advertising-based business or a business that's predicated on selling my information. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. I think trust is the name of the game. Yeah, yes. that, That's been our core. <laughs> so right, I, right. I'm totally future with you on that, Kara. Future reviews. I, I, agree, I agree with Marta that I think the future reviews, reviews are a segment of journalism, and just like journalism, quality is going to outlast anything that's fleeting or aggregated. You know, and you could look at something like Wirecutter and say, well, sure, they aggregate other people's reviews, but they use that in addition to their own exhaustive testing, which I know they have, you know, they make spreadsheets for, and they really take a lot of thought with it. And as Marta mentioned earlier, the benefit of being on the web is that it's dynamic review, so you can update and change yeah. things as things evolve. And I've, I've really appreciated their style. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the reviews, regardless of length, regardless of whether you're putting it out on social media, or you're putting it out on some other platform, it has to be high quality. It high has quality. to be exhaustive research done really well and high quality. The and millennials I think that will love outlast. the wire cutter. The that sounds like us. You've just described us. High quality <laughs> research. Yeah. Trust. No, it's I mean, true. I, it's really, I, yeah. it's really true. I mean, I go to Amazon to now to make quick purchases. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll look at Amazon just for something quick that I might need. And, and I, I do look at the stars. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm like, okay, this is you know, four, and a half, four stars. What does that mean? But then you start to dig into the reviews and you realize you just can't, you can't necessarily trust all of the user-generated stuff. There are people who are... Who go in there, I know. You know there are fake reviews and there are people who are tearing down a Slightly. product for a reason because of competitive reasons. And you just can't, in a lot of ways, it's hard to trust the nameless, faceless reviews. Yeah, um, I would agree. Although sometimes you do find some interesting, if you find some. Sometimes you do. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, there's value to crowdsourced all. information for sure. And I don't want to devalue that. But I think it, the future of published reviews is just, it's like the rest of journalism. There's a reason why everyone's reading the New York Times right now. At the same you time, know, though, I do think something like Rotten Tomatoes is super interesting. I love that story in the New York Times about them. And the how Rotten they're Tomatoes. Driving every, it just was fantastic. I haven't read it yet. Was ahead of read it. it. One of the review heads was like, <laughs> like, she loves messing with people. You know what I mean? And it's great. I'm like, good for you. Um, but the studios hate Rotten Tomatoes because their people look at the tomatoes, but they're actually... I do. Quite accurate on their yeah. tomato selections. I tomato would agree. selection. But it's good to see fans disagree. Anyway, in a minute, we're going to take some questions about Consumer Reports from our readers and listeners, and Mara Telado is going to answer them. Is that good? Wonderful. Okay, thank you. First, we're going to take a quick break from a word from one of our sponsors, because we are ad-based. Lauren. We are ad-based. Ka-ching! Thank you. To build the kinds of things developers want to build today, they need better tools. That's why Amazon Web Services built Amazon Aurora, It's a relational database engine that's compatible with MySQL and PostgreSQL, and it provides up to five times the performance of the standard MySQL on the same hardware at a tenth of the cost. Amazon Aurora from AWS can scale up to millions of transactions per minute. It automatically grows your storage to 64 terabytes, that's a lot of terabytes, and it replicates data to three different availability zones. You don't have to manage a thing. 
There are no upfront charges, no commitments. You only pay for what you use. Check it out at aurora.aws. All right, we're here with Marta Talato, who runs Consumer Reports. And we're talking about sort of the future of reviews and how readers and listeners and audience can get really honest assessments of products. And everything is reviewed these days, pretty much everything from bank loans to refrigerators to Apple phones to just Student whatever. loans. Student loans. And so, and which means you've got to review everything, like every product. Do you do food? Just yes. You do I'm so food. glad you asked. Oh, my gosh. People are very concerned about the food they're consuming and all the names of the stuff that's in the food that they don't understand and these really opaque labels. Yeah. How do you decide there when you don't understand? Yeah. So, yes, we are um, absolutely very much. Do you do dog and cat food? I'm just curious. We do not, but boy, do I get that question You a should, lot. because here's yeah. the deal. I was giving my cat these things. I just got off the shelf at the store, and I'm not going to say their name, but literally my cat turned into crack kitty over them. And then I looked online, <laughs> and like it says, do not give these to your cat. They'll become crack kitty. And it was true. The cat was attacking, and like wanting, and so we You finally were, got the cat you deserve. I know, but we're getting this cat down from these snacks. Like, it, it's literally taking, like, it's crazy. And then I, if I had looked online, it's like, it's like do not give your cat these. <laughs> anyway, it was interesting. I would like to have had, had a review had I known, but it was, it's a very upsetting situation yes. at home right now. Yes. It's going to Betty Ford well, Center for <laughs> crazy it, kitties. This isn't a, a comparable kitty story, but <laughs> we found arsenic in baby cereal. That was pretty strange. Whoa. That's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. So, yes, to answer your question, that is a big area for us. Food. All right. Let's get to the questions. The first one is from Brian Civy. It just came through on Twitter. How do they compete with online reviews of Amazon where many reviews exist based on actual experiences? Great question. So we we have this like army of folks that do real life experience. We actually go into people's homes and people live with something for a while. And so think about this as like a surround. You get the online, you get the expert review, and then you get the user experience. Um, in your home, and so we track products that way as well. All right, the next question, mockery, 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 an email. I recently used uh, Consumer Reports in my research into new appliances. I did not find it helpful. It seems the reader replies are always negative, and the testing lab results seem perfunctory. In a testing range, for example, do the testers cook a wide range of dishes, bake a bread, braise a brisket, broil a steak, saute vegetables, etc.? Do they get the full range of functionality? Do the testers look into service records? All right, Marta, this guy's not happy with you. No, and we love it when people tell us what they like and what they don't like. So, you know, and they do, and they have all kinds of ways of doing it. They write to me personally, they do it on Facebook, and that's a good thing. And yes, we look into those service records, you bet. Um, And so, yes, sometimes people like what they see, sometimes they don't like it, but. What's your number one complaint people have for you? Because you listen to those, I'm guessing. Mm, gosh, they always want more. Mm-hmm. More That's, reviews? More stuff. You know, it's, it's like there's a, there's a segment of folks you, you, that, that want it and want it fast, and then there's the folks that really want to dig in deep. So you find yourself needing to do all of those things. Right. Oh, you that's know. interesting. You probably find it as well. There are some people that really uh, want the details. They want, they want the data. And then there are folks that just, just tell me what to buy. Right. Yeah, it's a quantity over quality thing for sure. Right. Next one is from Sean O'Kane, who I happen to work with. How does MARTA review Consumer Reports' role in an era when the Trump administration is attacking consumer protections across the board? Mm. Boy, now more than ever, you, you need a trusted partner. You need Consumer Reports. We, we are, look at Equifax, look at the rollback 
just, what is it, last week, it was remarkable, there was a rollback on autonomous vehicle safety standards. The same day, that was announced at, from DOT, the same day that the National uh, Traffic Highway Safety Board also announced that Tesla's auto test pilot was directly responsible for the fatality. So it, it, it's, we're going to have to double down is what it is, and we're hearing that from our members as well. I mean, we've, we've, we absolutely need the consumer voice at the table. So we need to play defense, but we also need to play offense. What does doubling down mean? What does that mean for your organization? It means reaching out to consumers directly and elevating their voice like we did with Equifax. We need to do that. We need to demonstrate that consumers want these protections, that consumers have pain, real pain points, that they are suffering under bad loans or faulty products yeah. that aren't transparent, that they are um, also crippled by student loans. And mm. what, 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 how do we get underneath that? Look at the Consumer Product Safety Board and the millions of dollars they've been able to recoup for consumers because there there's a lot of bad products on the market, finance products. So um, we've, we've got to be vigilant. As I said, we watch industry, but we also watch the watchdogs. If they're not on it, we have to say so. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. right. Next question is an email from Andrea Yelly. Why do we have to pay for two subscriptions? I was going to ask that one for print and one for digital. So annoying. You know, a lot of people don't do that. That's you're why. absolutely right. And so I, I'm not going to give anything away by saying stay tuned. We're, we're going to introduce some new stuff. If you'd like to break news and to embarrass, we're totally open to the idea. <laughs> I know you are. So I might come back. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know you, uh, that'd be great. We'd, we're happy to have you back anytime. I know you probably won't want to share too much, but um, can you talk about other types of paywall splits you've examined before that you think are interesting or other uh, companies that are doing a good job of offering both a print and digital entity? Like yeah. what's a model that works? Well, they're not going to ever not do open. Simplicity works. Simplicity works. People want some, people want user experience is really simple and straightforward. They want to be able to go in and not try to manage multiple accounts. So I hear that person and we're all over it. I, I That's where we're headed. Okay. All right, next one. This email is from Glenn Fotre. Uh, why have you severely reduced the product testing? But why, oh, why? Why, oh, why? Why, oh, why? <laughs> Why, oh, I, say, I wake up every day and I say, why, oh, why do I have to do this podcast with Kara? I'm just kidding. I love you, Kara. <laughs> why have you reduced the product testing but instill, fill, instead fill your pages with social and political, his word, right. not ours, crap? So here's someone who perhaps is not as thrilled with the advocacy efforts. Yeah, um, but, but you have a mission. But you, yeah, so talk a little bit about that. You know, that's we have a very big tent. We've got folks that it's like just the facts. Just tell me what this product is about. And then we have um, folks that are like, do something about it. The fact that there are antibiotics in this meat product and it's creating uh, and it's diminishing the effectiveness of antibiotics, what, do you, what are we going to do about it? And so there, it's a very big tent and there's a little bit of both. So I, I think we've always been that. We've always been that. We've always been really rigorous testing. And the testing is a vehicle by which to raise up what's working and what's not working. And so we don't stop there. Consumers now have an opportunity to raise their voices in ways they couldn't in the past. And so we want to be with them and for them for that. Mm -hmm. 
right. I think Glenn's email is a little ornery. I think Glenn, you're ornery. <laughs> you got a lot of ornery emails no, here. I mean, come on. People are telling you what car not to buy so you don't crash and yeah. burn. These seat well, belts. And let's yeah. not <laughs> Or the yeah. child seat. Let's child seat. Oh, yeah, that was probably. I mean, come on. Right. We're like, it, we're, we're sort of a place to go to figure out what child seat, safety seat is going to be, is going to work for your family. Yes, I yes. did. Glenn, you would you like arsenic in your cereal? No. I think not. I think not. Social, political. That's not crap. a threat. That is a reference ah, to what We should be discovered. able to have arsenic if we want to have arsenic in our baby food. Don't you think? Don't you think? I don't like these elites telling me I can't have arsenic in my baby food. I didn't know you could do impressions. That was Thank really you. good, Kara. That's my uncle. Oh, oh, you haven't done Ariana in a while. No, I'm not going to do Should we bring Ariana no. to the show, too? Maybe not. Maybe not. Not this week. Not we, this we, week. I've spent a little too much time with Ariana in okay. six months. <laughs> okay. Um, dealing with that whole mess, in fact, which is getting cleaned up. Do you do uh, car sharing services? Curious. Those no, we things. do not. What, what, what you, should you be doing those, like those kind of things? Like Uber, for example, given some of the controversies around its lack of safety? Well, none of our members have raised that so, mo- really? so, so recently. I mean, what they really, they, they've told us what they really care about, mm-hmm. and that hasn't come up. That hasn't um, come up. Wow. That hasn't come up, but what know, would you like we have our review. ear to the ground. What would you like to do that you aren't doing? We want to do more of and dig into the privacy stuff as well. Okay. We, we want to know what when your stuff is being sold that you don't, and you don't know yeah. it. We mm-hmm. want to know when your data is leaking and you don't know it. We we want you to be able to go into the market and understand what product is doing a better job at that. Yeah, and right now, they're they're struggling with that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're muscling up. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I like the food stuff in that. And, and the and food stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Food we're stuff. just standing up a new food lab. It's very exciting. Brought somebody over. Terrific guy from the FDA. And um, we're, we're starting... They're, they're, I mean, there's there's some heavy metals we're worried about, and I don't mean just a rock band. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, like, stuff, cadmium and juices, and mm-hmm. and we have to test for that. And so we've got a whole test protocol that we're developing on food, so stay tuned. All I right. It's Excellent. Stuff our readers But we remain liking heavy metal music. I do, too. Yeah. My son Carol recently it. Was, played something. He's like, do you know ACDC? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? All right. So, Marta, thank you so much for coming. We've been here with Marta Tolado from Consumer Reports. And what is the? how can people reach Consumer Reports? ConsumerReports.org. Absolutely. ConsumerReports.org or CR.org. CR.org. CR. Okay. okay. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Marta, thank you for joining us. It has been such a pleasure, Lauren, Cara. Thank you so much, Marta. Thank you. If you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. But please spend an adequate amount of time testing and thinking about this before you write your review. (laughs) But seriously, subscribe. If you do, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes to answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen to every episode at the website, recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka, who has yet to be tested. We should have Peter Kafka on again soon. Mm. The Verge also has a great podcast, which I'm running off to tape right now. It's called The Verge Cast, and it's hosted by Neelai Patel. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to us at tooembarrassed at recode.net. Or snap them to Kara. Thanks for listening to everybody. Thanks also to Cadence 13. That's the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you, as always, to our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. Hi, this is Dan Fromer, editor-in-chief at Recode. 
I'm here to tell you about a new project we just launched, the Recode 100, and ask for your help. We're trying to make a list of the people in the tech and business worlds who made the biggest impact this year, the winners of 2017. Executives, entrepreneurs, movement starters, designers, whoever, primarily in tech media and commerce, but also some of our new focus areas like transportation, policy, and robotics. We'll unveil the full list and throw a big party for the winners later this year, but for now, we need your nominations. So if you know someone who kicked ass this year or is a rising star in their field, head to recode.net slash submit by Monday, October 16th to nominate someone and for more information. That's recode.net slash submit.